0: Welcome to Bible Answers Live, where you'll get honest answers to your Bible questions. Let's face it, it's not always easy to understand everything you read in the Bible. With 66 books and more than 700,000 words, the Bible can generate a lot of questions. If you'd like answers to your Bible questions, you've come to the right place. Now, here's your host, Pastor Doug Batchelor. President and Speaker of Amazing Facts.
1: Hello friends. Would you like to hear an amazing fact? The world's largest doors are those of the NASA Vehicle Assembly Building, better known as the VAB, at the Kennedy Space Center on Merritt Island, Florida. The building, designed as a place to assemble rockets and roll them to the launch pad, is the fourth largest structure in the world by volume. And it was the largest structure when originally completed in 1965. At 526 feet, it is still the tallest building in the United States outside of an urban area. Where this building really shatters records is the entrance. The VAB contains by far the largest doors in the world. Each of its four doors measure 456 feet high. In contrast, The Statue of Liberty is only 305 feet high, meaning if you could put the Statue of Liberty on wheels, you could easily roll it through the gateway of this building and still have 150 feet to spare. Because of their colossal size, the VAB doors take 45 minutes to open and close. You know, the Bible talks about an even bigger door that opens more quickly. Stay with us, friends. We're gonna learn more on this edition
0: of Bible Answers Live. You're listening to Bible Answers Live, honest answers to your Bible questions. This broadcast is a previously recorded episode. To receive any of the Bible resources mentioned in this evening's program, call 800-835-6747. Once again, that's 800-835-6747. Now, let's join our host, Pastor Doug Batchelor, and our co-host, Pastor Jean Ross. Hello, friends. Welcome
1: to Bible Answers Live. This is what I think could be the very best use of the technology of radio to broadcast the Word of God and to study what is truth. This whole program is dedicated to better understand the Scriptures and what it means to live the Christian life. So if you have any Bible questions, you can call, free phone call, of course. That number is 800-God-Says, 800-463-7297. We're also broadcasting right now on Facebook, and you can uh, see what's happening here in the studio as well as hear the program. That would be at the Doug Bachelor Facebook page, or you can go to the Amazing Facts Facebook page. I am Doug and
2: My name is John Ross. Good evening, friends, and Pastor Doug, as we always do, let's start the program with prayer. Dear Father, we thank you that we're able to take a few moments to open up your word and study together, and we ask your blessing upon the program be with those who are listening wherever they might be across the country and in some cases around the world lord that your spirit would speak to our hearts give us a clear understanding of your will and word in jesus name amen amen well pastor daggy like open the program by talking about some very big doors it's almost hard to imagine something that big of course We've seen pictures of the, uh, the rockets and uh, space shuttle that have been assembled in this big building. And then, of course, they open the doors and they roll these things out on massive tracks. But you mentioned it takes about 45 minutes to open or close the doors.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, when they assembled the space rockets, Saturn V and others were put together in this building for the moon launch. Mm. They had to have a protected environment. There's also security issues. So they had to find a building. But what do you do once you build this big rocket in a building? you got to get it out. So they had to say, we're going to have to build uh, the biggest doors in the world. And I remember as a kid watching King Kong, the explorers come up to this massive wall. They're going, what in the world would you need a wall that big for? And then they see the doors and they go, what in the world would you ever need doors that big for? <laughs> and I'll tell you, these doors at the Space uh, Center there at Kennedy, they're they are like 10 times King Kong size. They are big doors But I was teasing at the beginning. The Bible talks about a door that is even bigger. You know, they say, what's the biggest room in the world? It's a room for improvement. I used to get a Cracker Jacks joke and it said, what's the smallest room? It's a mushroom. But the biggest door is the door of salvation. And Jesus said in John chapter 10, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved course he says another place if anyone tries to go over the wall or around the door they're a thief and a robber they're not going to make it the only way one door is through christ and many of us know the story in the bible of noah's ark and the bible tells us that all of life was saved on that vehicle but there was only one door and god opened that door and god shut the door and jesus says that he stands at the door of our hearts and he knocks And if we open the door of our hearts, he comes in. And that's one way we go through that door of salvation is by inviting him into our hearts. And we have a special offer that talks about how they can take advantage of that door. They don't have to wait 45 minutes.
2: You can get it right away. We have a book. It's called Three Steps to Heaven. It's talking about what we need to do in order to come into a saving relationship with God. It's really good news. And we'll be happy to send this to anyone who calls and asks. This is our free offer today. So if you'd like to receive it, just call the number 800-835-6747. That is the resource phone line. And as for the book, called Three Steps to Heaven. We'll get it right out to you. Again, it's 800-835-6747. And if you have a Bible question, the number to call here to the studio is 800-463-7297. Our first caller this evening is Richard, listening in Montana. Richard, welcome to the program.
3: Uh, yes, Mr. Doug. I have a question for you that, that I've uh, read the King James, okay? So in last part of Acts chapter twenty, seven and 28, you know, Paul's a prisoner and so on and so forth. Then think it's put on that island called Malita, according to how King James has it worded anyway. It's,
1: yeah, the island of Malta. I've actually been there, but yes, go ahead.
3: Okay. So anyway, uh, I guess I do a little bit of traveling eventually, and I get to one place. Uh, in verse 15 where it comes across some believers, and the question is, it says when Paul saw three taverns, uh, he thanked God. I can't remember the last two words of the verse. Sorry. So what type of taverns was he talking about, and, and why would he be thinking God inside those three taverns?
1: Yeah, somebody might be wondering. You know, does some you say a tavern? You know, in old England I and mean, a saloon. <laughs> you know, that, and so what is Paul staying at the three saloons for? But the word tavern there in the original, I think it, it was tabaron, and it it means an inn. Pastor Ross was looking that up because we saw Richard's question. It means an inn, or it could be a marketplace. It's more than just a place for um,
2: actually a place to stay, like an inn. But there were also shops and. It appears that it could very well be the name of a town. Uh, they called it the Three Inns, uh, just as a gathering, not a big town, but a, a place where people could spend the night and buy their, their needs. So um, that's probably why he thanks God and took courage. They were traveling and they came to a place where they could stay and they were Christians or they were able to share with them. So uh, I took courage there.
1: Yeah, actually also says there as far as the Appii Forum, and that's the, the same word that's used to talk about that famous Roman road, the Appian Way. There, you know, the ro- roads of Rome, uh, some of them are still in existence today that were laid in the time of Christ. They used stone and granite, miles and miles of it with slave labor. real famous one, it's actually got the chariot wheels, ruts worn right into the stone. It's called the Appian Way, and so this was a part of that network of roads. Thank you for your question, Richard. We appreciate it. We've got Becky listening in Michigan. Becky, welcome to the program.
3: Hello, how are you? Happy New Year.
1: Thank you. You too.
3: Um, I have a question on Revelation twelve seventeen. Okay. Okay. Um, I meant to ask what the spirit of prophecy is, but I got my warning messed up. What is the testimony of
4: Jesus Christ?
1: All right. Uh, if you look in Revelation 12, and I'll just read this for people who are listening, talks about Revelation 12 is dealing with this woman who brings forth a man child and there's a dragon that wants to devour the man child but he's caught up to God's throne this is of course Christ and the woman represents the church through the ages that was looking for the Messiah that was to announce or bring forth the Messiah to the world when the dragon could no longer reach the Messiah he goes to make war with the woman and her descendants that have two outstanding characteristics they keep the commandments of God and they have the testimony of Jesus now those two phrases are found through the bible and it really means the law and the prophets the testimony of Jesus if you look in revelation 19 verse 10 it says an angel is speaking to the apostle John He says worship God for I am of your your fellow servant the prophets for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy And is it Isaiah 8 where it says, I think it's verse 16, bind up the law, seal, bind up the testimony, seal the law among my disciples. And it's in verse 20 of Isaiah 8 there, it says, according to the law and the testimony. Last phrase is in the Old Testament. Behold, I send you Elijah. He was the greatest of the prophets. And remember the law of Moses. You got Moses and Elijah, the law and the prophets. These two individuals appear to Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration in Mark chapter nine, the law and the prophets. It's all talking about the word of God. And the last day church is gonna have the word of God and they're gonna have the spirit of prophecy and they're gonna believe the law and the prophets. And so these are two characteristics of the church in the last days. You know, Becky, we do have a book that uh, we'll be happy to send you a copy of. It's called uh, The Glorious Mount. It talks about the two witnesses and it talks about the law and the prophets. The number to call for that
2: is just simply our resource phone line. That's 800-835-6747. And you can ask for the book called The Glorious Mountain. We'll be happy to send that out to anyone who calls and asks. Uh, Thank you for your call, Becky. Next caller that we have is Misty listening from, uh, looks like, uh, Arizona. Misty, welcome to the program.
1: Hi. Hi, Misty. Thanks for calling. And your question?
5: Yes, I'm calling from Arkansas. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Yes, my question is about Deuteronomy. Uh, 14,
1: verse 21. Okay, did you want me to read it or do you want to read it?
5: You can read it, please.
1: All right. It says here in Deuteronomy fourteen twenty-one, You shall not eat anything that dies of itself. You might give it to the alien who is within your gates, that he may eat it, or you may sell it to a foreigner, for you're a holy people to the Lord your God. And then it says, You shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. Was there were you wondering about don't anything die of itself or the goat in the mother's milk?
5: No, that like you don't eat anything that die, but you can give it to somebody else, which I that was that I was gonna because we we're supposed to practice the golden rule, don't do to others what they don't want it to do to you. So I was wonder why should we give that to our neighbor.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. The um if, first of all when it says something that dies of itself, God's people were supposed to be holy. And there were certain laws that actually applied to them that didn't apply necessarily to the Gentiles or the stranger among them. It wasn't talking about eating an unclean food. It meant, you know, if you got a goat and it got old and died, you don't eat it. You can give it to hungry people that may be aliens that don't have the same scruples. You know, the Lord was saying, you've got a higher standard because you are my people. At the same time, there might be hungry people and they didn't want it to go to waste. I don't think they're saying that if an you know if a plague goes through and all your animals get sick and die and they're you're you think that someone's going to get sick if they eat it that you give it to them. I don't think you, the Lord is suggesting you give something sick to anybody.
5: Right, right. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you. That was my question.
1: All right, hey, Thank you. Appreciate your call,
2: Misty. Next caller that we have is Rebecca, listening from Washington. Rebecca, welcome to the program. Hi. Hey. Thanks for calling.
3: Yeah, so my question, um, I was reading my um, kids' Bible lesson the other day um, about um, Saul visiting the Witch of Endor in 1 Samuel 29. And it was just kind of confusing to me the way it's worded because it said, like, uh, you know, what do you see? And she said, I see a God coming up out of the earth wrapped in a robe. and And it said Saul realized it was Samuel. And and um and, and then it said, and Samuel said, blah blah blah, you know, you're gonna because you haven't obeyed God then the Philistines are gonna you know, you're gonna die tomorrow in battle. And I guess it just the wording is confusing to me because
1: Sounds like it might have been Samuel.
3: Yeah, but I don't, you know, believe that it really was, but I thought maybe They didn't understand about Satan's angels at that point in history or something. I just wasn't quite sure what to think, since I don't think it was Samuel.
1: No, well, and there's another passage, I'm guessing Pastor Ross is looking that up right now. you got to keep in mind, this is being written from the perspective of why Saul uh, did what he did. He believed it was Samuel. The very fact they had to say, what do you see? And the witch is telling them what she's seen. Tells you there's something suspicious going on here, and this is why God said, "Do not go to witches. They can create illusions that are very convincing." But there's another passage on this story that's in Chronicles, I believe. What yeah,
2: First Car- Chronicles chapter 10, verse 13, which makes it clear that Paul, uh, or rather Saul, Saul died because he. Um, uh, let me read the verse. So Saul died for his transgression which he committed against the Lord, even against the word of the Lord which he did not keep. And also for asking counsel of one who had a familiar spirit to inquire of it. So there it's quite clear that this is not Samuel, the prophet, but it was a familiar spirit.
1: Yeah, where's the verse where it talks about Armageddon? I'm having a brain cramp. And uh, the three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the beast, out of the mouth of the false prophet and the dragon. Revelation 16:13. All right, I was almost there. Let me see here. Let me read this to you here. It says, for they are the spirits of demon performing signs that go out to the kings of the earth to gather them to the battle. This is exactly what happened to Saul. An evil spirit deceived him before he went into battle and that battle was his undoing. In the last days, what's, what the devil's going to do again and it's called the battle of Armageddon and you know, the wicked, the devil and those that follow him lose in that battle. It's hearkening back revelation is kind of talking about these evil spirits they're called lying spirits spirits that work miracles and so that's why jesus said there's going to be a lot of false prophets and there'll be signs and wonders don't believe the false prophets because they can do convincing things i think it's second corinthians 11 it says satan himself is transformed into an angel of light
3: and i understand that theology it was just confusing to me the way it was worded the
1: wording well, you're right, it is.
3: It was just so strange. It's because, I mean, I I, under, I was like, but well, wait a second, it's an evil spirit. But the way that it's worded is like...
1: Sounds like it's saying it's Samuel.
3: It's, he realized it's Samuel. And, and I thought, well, why doesn't the Bible make it more clear there that it was an evil spirit that the witch of Endor was talking to instead of making it sound like almost like it was Samuel?
1: Yeah, I think what it's doing there is it's trying to let us know that uh, we're looking at it through the perspective of saul and the very fact they weren't supposed to see a witch the other thing is does the devil have power to resurrect well of course not witches and mediums cannot bring back the dead Uh, the only one who can give life the only one who has the keys of the grave it says in revelation is jesus but they are seducing spirits the bible tells us so you're right first glance might confuse a person so you got to do some background study to see that this was just uh, an apparition. You know, we
2: do have a study guide that deals with the subject of what happens when a person dies, and it's called, Are the Dead Really Dead? Can they communicate with the living? We'll be happy to send the study out to anyone who calls and asks. The number that you want to call is 800-835-6747. And again, just ask for that study guide called, Are the Dead Really Dead? We also have a website that folks might want to take a look at. It's called deathtruth.com and you'll be able to read a number of Bible verses on that subject.
1: We even have a study called The Witch of Endor.
2: Yeah, that goes right along with
1: it. <laughs> that, that talks about this subject, too. So if you even just type in The Witch of Endor um, Amazing Facts, you'll, it'll probably pop up that the study, and you could read that for free online.
6: Throughout recorded history, tales of ghosts and spirits can be found in folklore in nearly every country and culture. Egyptians built pyramids to help guide the spirits of their leaders. Rome sanctioned holidays to honor and appease the spirits of their dead. Even the Bible tells of a king that used a witch to contact the spirit of a deceased prophet. Today, ancient folklore of spirits and apparitions have gone from mere superstitions to mainstream entertainment and reality. Scientific organizations investigate stories of hauntings and sightings, trying to prove once and for all the existence of ghosts. Even with all the newfound technology and centuries of stories all over the world, there is still no clear-cut answer. So how do we know what's true? Why do these stories persist? Does it even matter? We invite you to look inside and find out for yourself. Visit deathtruth.com.
1: Well, that frees up another line, Pastor Ross. Who's next? We've got
2: Joseph listening in Pennsylvania. Joseph, welcome to the program.
7: Thank you very much. Thank you for taking my call.
1: Thank you. And your question?
7: Yes, I had a question about the Lord's Prayer, since uh, the two different versions in uh, Matthew 6 and Luke 11 seem to end the prayer differently. I just wanted to mention that I noticed something in Luke when it seems to close with uh, um, deliver us from the evil one. That some verses later, it actually continues and does say, uh, Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom, Jesus addressing his disciples. Wouldn't that tend to uh, indicate that Matthew's version agrees with that? With When when Jesus says, For thine is the kingdom, he's actually addressing the uh, disciples rather than his father?
1: Well, the question they're asking in Matthew is, they start out and say, Teach us to pray. And actually, in Luke, I'm sorry, it says, you know, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he says, pray in this manner. So what the Lord is giving them is an outline for prayer. It's a model for prayer. You know, nowhere in the Bible does it say, repeat this prayer. It's really, he's giving, and there's seven petitions there, if you look in Matthew. And he's talking three, matter of fact, it's divided like the Ten Commandments, the first four commandments, or 40% deal with our relationship with God, and the last 60% deal with our relationship with our fellow man. Lord's Prayer is divided up the same way. It's hallowed be your name, your kingdom, your will. And then the last part is give us our bread, forgive us our debts, uh, lead us, uh, and deliver us. And so it's talking about uh, the horizontal relationship. It's beautifully laid out. You're finding the same principle in Luke. Either version, if a person, there's nothing wrong with repeating the Lord's Prayer, but Jesus said, don't pray in vain repetition. So nowhere are we told to say the prayer over and over again. Matter of fact, he says, don't pray in vain repetition, thinking you get you know extra credit like the pagan for their much speaking. But it is the perfect model for prayer. Now, I'm going to put you back on, Joseph. You had a little background noise. Does that answer your question?
7: Yes, very much. Thank you very much.
1: All right, thanks. I appreciate your call. And we do have a book that we'll send you that's about the Lord's Prayer. And it's called uh, Teach Us to Pray.
2: We'll be happy to send that out to anyone who calls and asks. Uh, our resource phone line, as we mentioned before, is 800-835-6747. And you can ask for the book called Teach Us to Pray. We'll send that out to uh, anyone who calls and asks. You can also go to the Amazing Facts website, just amazingfacts.org, and you'll be able to read that uh, book there as well. Next caller that we have uh, is uh, Lucas, listening in Alaska. Lucas, welcome to the program.
7: Hi. Can you hear me?
1: We hear you. Hi, Lucas. Thanks for calling.
7: Hi. I just wanted to know how I could get started in this whole road to a Christian life.
1: Well, I I love that question. Do you mind my asking, what is making you decide to be a Christian?
7: It just seems like the right thing to do. I like the morals. I like the whole lifestyle. I like the idea of it. I, I want to get better at it,
6: rather.
1: Well, the first and most important thing, the word Christian means a follower of Christ. So it starts and ends with Jesus, which is, it's God, God's son, God became a man to show us what the father is like. He came to be our example and ultimately he came to die in our place as our sacrifice for our sins. Knowing how much he loves us, that he was willing to die and suffer for our sins rather than lose us, usually touches our hearts. And what he wants is, he says, I want you to love me with your hearts. He can't force love, we must choose. And if we say, Lord, I believe that you do love me and I love you and I wanna love you more, you come to him in prayer, you invite him into your heart, you say, I'm gonna give you my, my life. And even though you may feel struggles in the future and second guess your decision, say, Lord, I'm yours. And as you surrender yourself to him, you then give him power, you give him permission to activate God the Spirit in your life. And you'll hear God speaking to you, guiding you. You'll bring peace into your life. You'll feel conviction when temptation comes. And it's the power of God just moves into your heart. So it, through prayer and faith, you come to him just like you are.
7: Hmm. You know,
1: so, go ahead. I'm sorry.
7: My question is, should I, is it important to be going to church every Sunday or every sunday and wednesday or can i do this out of my own bedroom
1: well you should start uh, on your knees with the lord in in a relationship and then a couple of keys to growing just like a baby you need to uh, feed your soul and you need the fellowship of other people
2: you know one of the most important things pastor when you're talking about growing as a christian is to take some time to study to read the Word and uh, you know Lucas we do have a set of Bible study guides that uh, is free that Amazing Facts provides kind of helps people in their Bible study especially somebody that is new to the Christian life and we'd be happy to send that to you Uh, all you'll have to do is just call and simply ask say I'd like to enroll in the Amazing Facts Bible study course and uh, we'll send that out to you or anyone that would like to learn more the number is just 800-835-6747 and again just ask to enroll in the bible study course of amazing facts
1: 800-835-6747 uh, lucas you still there yes i am thank you could i have a prayer with you yes let me just pray with you real quick father in heaven i'm just so thankful for the way your spirit is working in lucas heart he's reaching out to you right now lord i pray that he can know that uh, you're drawing him and that you'll give him the peace that comes from surrendering his life to you. Uh, I pray that you just strengthen his faith in uh, the love of your son and his sacrifice for you, and let this be a new beginning for him. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, Lucas, send for those studies, and you'll be very thankful you did. All right, next call of the That's week. why we do
2: this program. That's right. That's <laughs> exciting.
1: No, do, do we have time, Pastor Ross?
2: Oh, uh, we got about a minute. You know, maybe we should hold off taking another call. We, we're not done with the program. We're just going to take a break here in a, in a little bit. But before we do that, we did mention the website, Pastor Doug, amazingfacts.org. For anyone who has never visited the website before, you want to take a look at that.
1: Absolutely. Our website is like uh, layers and layers of wonderful information, free things you can read, videos you can watch, studies you can do online. Uh, There's a devotional you can sign up for. Uh, There's a reason it's one of the top Christian websites, amazingfacts.com. That's amazing, well, amazingfacts.org or amazingfacts.com. We also have a TV station called AFTV, 24 hours a day you can watch streaming Christian programs at aftv.org we're going to just take a brief break get a drink of water let our stations id themselves and we're coming back with more questions give us a call with your bible questions we'll return in a moment
0: stay tuned bible answers live will return in a moment
8: did you know amazing facts has a free bible school that you can do from the comfort of your own home It includes 27 beautifully illustrated study lessons to aid in your study of God's Word. Sign up today for this free Bible study course by calling 1-844-215-7000. That's 1-844-215-7000.
1: We know we're here, but we're not here for very long. So the most important thing would be if we could learn during this life how to live forever. This is the central focus of Amazing Facts. I think it's very important for us to build churches. But if the churches lose the message of salvation, they just become buildings and shells. I think it's important to have a medical ministry and build hospitals. But if they separate that from the message of salvation, you just prolong a sinner's life for a little while. That's why for years, Amazing Facts has made it our focus to present the saving truth that sets people free. And friends, we want to thank you for your support and your gifts. We'll do our very best to convert those resources into the currency of heaven. May God bless you and keep amazing facts in your prayers.
6: Deep within the pages of the Bible, stories of great heroes, heroes of great deeds, great love, and great sacrifice. But behind them is another hero, hidden in plain sight amid the shadows. He was there from the beginning, and he'll be there until the end. Discover the golden thread of a Savior woven throughout the entire Bible tapestry. Shadows of Light, Seeing Jesus in All the Bible. Get your copy today by calling 800-538-7275 or visit afbookstore.com.
0: every Bible question you have answered moves you one step closer to the fullness of God's will for your life. So what are you waiting for? Get the answers you need for a fuller, richer, more confident life. You're listening to Bible Answers Live. This broadcast is a previously recorded episode. If you'd like answers to your Bible related questions on the air, please call us next Sunday between 7 p.m. and 8 p.m. Pacific time. To receive any of the bible resources mentioned in this evening's program call 800-835-6747 once again that's 800-835-6747 now let's join pastors doug bachelor and jean ross for more bible answers live We are back.
1: We're back, friends. Welcome to Bible Answers Live. If you're joining along the way, uh, it's just what it says. We are answering Bible questions live. We invite you to call in with our questions. We have a couple lines open, 800-463-7297. I am Doug Batchelor.
2: My name is John Ross, and our next caller that we have is Obadiah listening in Canada. Obadiah, welcome to the program.
1: Hello. Good evening, pastors.
2: Evening.
9: Thanks for taking my call. Uh... So my question is about prayer and how uh, prayers are answered. I mean, I've been talking to some of my friends, and um, you know they think that you know it's possible that you can pray, you can be on your knees, you pray for your wife, you pray for your car, pray for your house or anything, and uh, your prayer is answered by the devil instead. I know that the Bible says uh, you know pray and you shall receive." But is that possible, really, that you end up with, uh, uh, you know, a very stressful situation because your prayer wasn't answered by God?
1: Well, let me give you an example. Now, there is a verse, Pastor Ross might look it up for me, where it talks about your prayers be not hindered. Uh, I think that's talking about husbands treating your wife, wives well, that your prayers be not hindered. But uh, God told Abraham, I'm going to give you a promised child. And Abraham was praying for a child with Sarah, But he became impatient along the way. And when Sarah showed up with her maidservant and said, well, look, you know, it doesn't look like God's going to answer your prayer. Why don't you use uh, Hagar as a surrogate? Abraham thought, well, I guess that's God's answer. Well, that was the devil's answer to his prayer because he lost patience. You know, there are a few cases in the Bible where you could say God will test to see, do we believe that he's going to answer our prayer if we wait upon him? Sometimes we become impatient. Saul lost patience waiting for Samuel to come during a battle, and he offered sacrifice. He was being tested. If he had waited, he would have had a marvelous victory. Sometimes I think the devil will try to intercept what God wants to do for us because we become impatient or we lose faith.
4: So then how do I avoid that then?
1: Well, make sure that if God makes a promise, that you wait for the promise according to his word. In the two cases I just mentioned, they both had specific commandments from the God God said, I'm going to give you a child through Sarah. And God told Saul, wait for Samuel, wait seven days. And and he stopped waiting. If we just wait on the Lord, according to his word, sometimes the devil will try and intercept God's prayers and say, I've got a better way. But it means compromise. So don't compromise. You won't have to worry about the devil intercepting your prayers.
9: Okay. Okay. Well, thanks a lot. appreciate
1: that. And you'll enjoy the book that we mentioned earlier on Teach Us to Pray. It's got some of the principles of prayer and answered prayer. But uh, good question, Obadiah. We appreciate that.
2: The number to call if you'd like to receive the book is 800-835-6747. And again, ask for the book called Teach Us to Pray. We'll send it to anyone who calls and asks. We've got Patrick listening also in Canada, in Toronto. Uh, Patrick, welcome to the program.
9: Hello, Doctor. Uh, sorry, Pastor Ross and uh, Doug Batcher.
1: Thank you for calling. And your question?
9: My question, uh, it's my very first time calling in, and I I very much uh, support and love this program, by the way.
1: Well, we appreciate it.
9: Thank you. My question is, um, there's a teaching going on in the church, um, in some churches today. I'm not sure how huge it is, um, but it's about the Godhead, also um, known as a Trinitarian teaching, I believe. I uh, just want to find out, um, is the Holy Spirit from God? Is He from within God, the Son, or is the Holy Spirit an individual?
1: You know, th- this is a subject that has been deeply studied and debated for two thousand years, maybe longer. The the Hebrews probably debated it too. The most of the Christian world has agreed that the scriptures teach that the holy spirit is a distinct and separate person but is equal with the godhead of the father and the son the fact that jesus would say baptize in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit and if you look in genesis you've got god saying let us make man in our image and the spirit moved on the face of the waters and then you get to revelation and it says even the spirit and the bride say come it doesn't just say jesus come or the father come the spirit says come going from cover to cover i just wrote a book on this because um, a lot of people were asking questions and i was encouraged by this study that i think there's a good biblical foundation that the holy spirit is a unique distinct person of god of the godhead and That's why, you know, the word Trinity is not in the Bible, but it's just a teaching. It's a label for a teaching of the three entities of God. God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. But when God said, you know, let us make man in our image, it's plural. Moses says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, but one for the Hebrew meant unity. You know, Jesus said to the apostles, You are one. But there were 12 of them.
9: Yes, because in the the same teaching they teach that... um in heaven before the fall that um it was god the father god the son and lucifer and i find that to be a very dangerous teaching because they're trying to say that lucifer in turn is um part of the godhead which he which he wasn't
1: no lucifer yeah one thing that separates a god from all of the other beings in the universe is that god is self-existent He has not been created. He's from everlasting to everlasting of the devil. And Pastor Ross is this in Ezekiel. It says from the day you were perfect from the day you were created. I sometimes get Ezekiel 28 and Isaiah 14 mixed up. But I think it says you are perfect from the day you were created. Lucifer was created. He's not a creator. He's a creation.
2: Yep. Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 15. Now, we do have a book on that subject that uh, Pastor Doug has written. And I'm trying to think, Pastor Doug, we might have up. Dated the the title Uh, is it called the trinity or is
1: it well if they if they call and ask for the book on the trinity i think that they'll get the new book called called one or three it's about the trinity subject one god or three
2: so the number to call is 800-835-6747 and again just ask for the book on the trinity called one god or three and we'll be happy to send it to anyone who calls and asks we've got don listening in north carolina don welcome to the program
1: well hi guys hey thank you for calling Oh, thanks for taking my call. And uh, what's on your heart tonight?
2: Uh, Just a little
7: confusion, and I'm sure you guys can clarify. Um, In Matthew chapter 13, it talks of a man that sows good seed in his field, and while they slept, the enemy came and sowed tares among them. Yes. So whenever they went to harvest, the servants asked what they should do, and he said, well, gather up the tares first. And bind them to burn and then gather the wheat into my barn. Well, later on in Matthew, uh, chapter 24, around verse 40, um, it says, There shall be two in the field, the one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the meal, the one shall be taken and the other left. Are those verses related as far as the one taken is the tares and the one left? are are the wheat? And if so, uh, I heard a preacher one time say, I want to be the one taken. So is he in error?
1: Yeah, well, that that passage there that you find both in Matthew and in Luke about uh, two women in the field, Luke adds a third one. I think Luke says there's also two men sleeping in a bed. Matthew says two women in the field, two men, uh, two women grinding bread, two men in the field. The ones taken away, folks are shocked because the whole left behind scenario in people's minds misunderstand that passage it says the flood came and took away the unbelievers as in the days of noah so will the coming of the son of man be where they were eating and drinking i think is that luke 17 pastor ross and marrying and building and they knew not till the flood came and took them away well you think the ones taken away are saved but no they're taken away in judgment and the reason we know is the disciples say jesus where says wherever the body is, that's where the vultures, the eagles are gathered. The, just to understand the mindset of the Hebrew, when the Hebrews were well-behaved, the Jews, they got to stay in the promised land. When they misbehaved, the Assyrians came and took them away. The Babylonians came and took them away. And so the worst judgment would be to be taken away from the promised land. And a blessing would be to be able to stay. It's talking about judgment taking them away. Just like the wheat and the tares, it says, yeah, the, the the wicked are taken away in judgment while the meek will inherit the earth. They get to survive.
7: Oh, right. That actually clarifies that.
1: That's a good question. A lot of people are surprised when they hear that. They think that the uh, two women in the field and the two, uh, the two women grinding, two men in the field, two men in the bed is talking about the secret rapture taking place. Poof, one is taken away. And, and it's really, Jesus didn't mean anything like that. Two women represent the two kinds of churches when the Lord comes, grinding the bread, sharing the word. Two men working in the field. Christ says the field is the world. Two men sleeping in a bed. There's two kinds of dead people. There's the righteous and the lost. Now, we've got a booklet we can send you, Don, and it's called Anything But Secret. It talks about, I think these verses are included in that. The number to call if you'd
2: like to receive that is 800-835-6747. And again, you can ask for the book on the Second Coming. It's called Anything But Secret, and we'll get it right out to you.
6: Thanks for your call, Don. Find out what the critics are raving about. Top scholars and theologians from around the country come together to reveal the hidden history of the Book of Revelation. With powerful reenactments and incredible visual effects, this 95-minute masterpiece brings to life the book of Revelation like never before. Revelation is no longer a mystery. Get your copy today. Visit iTunes or afbookstore.com.
8: Does your heart burn for a better purpose? Do you yearn to do more with your faith? Do you desire to be a powerful witness, a blaze for Jesus Christ? Where do you start? Make your first step at AFCO, the Amazing Facts Center of Evangelism.
3: Here at AFCO, I've learned so many things and my spiritual growth has just skyrocketed.
8: AFCO has distilled 50 years of Amazing Facts evangelistic expertise into a dynamic, professional, and educational experience that transforms the nervous Christian into a prepared and bold
1: witness. AFCO is really about learning while doing. It's a -a one-of-a-kind experience for those who are serious about entering gospel ministry and those who simply want to make an impact in their local churches and communities. Go to afco.org
8: today and explore this life-changing program. AFCO, equipping soul winners, setting the world ablaze for God. Did you know Amazing Facts has a free Bible school that you can do from the comfort of your own home? It includes 27 beautifully illustrated study lessons to aid in your study of God's Word. Sign up today for this free Bible study course by calling 1-844-215-7000. That's 1-844-215-7000.
2: We've got Mark listening in Canada. Mark, welcome to the program.
4: Hi. Uh, yeah, it's my turn. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so I have a quick question, but there's a little backstory about it. Okay. Um, I grew up in abusive homes, uh, group homes, and things like that, and was out on my own at a very young age. I have all ADD and Erlen syndrome. So, because of my past as an adult, I find it really hard to trust people, to get close to people, and communicate with people. Uh, but Jesus said um, that not all of us should become teachers in 3 1, or sorry, James 3 1. And I want to share my faith with people, but I have really bad communication problems. uh, So I don't want things to come out of my mouth uh, in a corrupt fashion, like it says in uh, Ephesians 4.29. So I was just wondering, how does someone like me share their faith?
1: Well, start small. You don't have to go from believer to teacher overnight. Share what the Lord has given on your heart. And you can do it in uh, bite-sized pieces. You just described me. I bounced around between 14 different schools. You can ask Pastor Ross. I've got an attention deficit. I'm chasing squirrels all the time. I'm so easily distracted. I see everything that comes to my mind. And it's taken me years to learn how to kind of measure and throttle my mouth. And I still, I'm not sure I've learned it. So I know exactly how you feel. And, but over the years, God has has given me wisdom that comes with time. If the Lord is calling you to share your faith, doesn't mean you need to be a full-time Bible teacher, but just, you know, ask the Lord to give you wisdom, to recognize the opportunities, ask him to give you tact, diplomacy, so that you can do it in a gentle way, and do it in small bites. And, you know, anything you do, you get better at.
4: Okay, great. Um, I was also wanting to say thank you very much, because uh, it's because of discovering your videos on YouTube that I actually came to accept Jesus and to you know, to to start reading the Bible and all that. And I really actually like how you talk because you're the only pastor that I've ever been able to understand. So... Thank you very much.
1: I really appreciate that. Oh, well, that's one of the nicest things. Well, that's because you and I both have ADD. That's why you understand <laughs> Yeah, well, thank you so much, Mark. We sure appreciate your kind words and bless your heart. If you've not done the Amazing Facts study guides, and if you uh, sign up, we'll send that to you free and it'll change your life. Uh,
2: if you'd like to get it mailed to you, which we encourage, is uh, just simply call the number 800 835 and ask that you be enrolled in the free Amazing Facts Study Guide course. And you'll learn so much uh, through the uh, various lessons that we have. We've got Jessica listening from Florida. Jessica, welcome to the program.
5: Good evening, Pastor.
1: Good evening, Jessica. Thank you for calling. And your question?
5: Yes. When I called, I said just one question, but can I have
1: two quick questions? Well, let's see how long the first one is.
5: Okay, the Joel chapter 2, verse 28 and it says that I, it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Uh, what does he mean by all flesh? Everybody, like even those who doesn't really believe in God?
1: No, I think when he's saying, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh, in the next verses, he describes what he means. He's not just going to do it on professional priests and prophets. He said, I'll do it on your children. I'll do it on the boys. I'll do it on the girls. I'll do it on the old. I'll do it on the young. I'll do it on your servants. I'll do it on your men servants and your maid servants. So all flesh he describes in the next verse is he said believers from every part of the culture, the young, the old, the men, the women, uh, the servants, the, the, the rich, the poor. But I don't think he's saying he's going to give his spirit to wicked people and they're going to prophesy. He's talking about God's people.
5: Yeah, every time we read the Bible, when they say all, not some, some something like that, right? That all, all it means everybody. But now it's all the Christians because it doesn't say some. It doesn't say some.
1: In Hebrew, I think he's really saying, "I will pour out my spirit on all kinds of people." Flesh means, you know, technically you could say all flesh, and that could say goats and sheep and camels. He's going to pour out his spirit. He describes in the next few verses that he's going to give his spirit to everybody, not just the priests and the prophets and kings like David. What was your other question? You said you had a quick one?
5: Yeah, the one that unpardonable sin. Mm -hmm. Are there people already that committed unpardonable sin that they have no hope anymore?
1: Well, I'm sure there are some. We've seen in the Bible there are people in the Old Testament.
5: I'm referring to the Christians. Uh
1: Okay, yeah. I don't think that a Christian commits the unpardonable sin because if you're a Christian then you know god's working in your life and and hopefully you're still growing in grace uh, there are people who can be christians and grieve away the holy spirit at one point king saul had the holy spirit and god even called him but he became proud and over a process of years it doesn't happen quickly he grieved away the spirit so he was finally killing the priests he became very evil and he grieved away the spirit when uh, actually went to witch of endor i think his probation closed at that point and you've got balaam the prophet who grieved away the spirit he finally counseled balak how to bring down god's people and he died in battle i think he grieved away the spirit of course judas he betrayed christ and even when jesus was washing his feet judas probably could have been forgiven if he had repented and confessed but he hardened his heart he went out and the bible says he went out it was night and satan and satan entered him I think at that point Judas had committed the unpardonable sin. People out there thinking, oh, I think I've gone too far. You know, 99.9% of the time when people think I've committed the unpardonable sin, the devil wants them to think that, so they'll lose hope. When in reality, if they'd repent, God would forgive them. So you don't want anyone to get discouraged and lose hope. Thank you, Jessica. Oh, by the way, we do have a book on the unpardonable sin you can ask for. It's simply called, What is the Unpardonable Sin? Mm-hmm.
2: The number is eight hundred eight three five six seven four seven. And again, just ask for the book called, What is the Unpardonable Sin? We'll be happy to send that to anyone who calls. We've got Sherry listening in Montana. Sherry, welcome to the program. Hello. Hi.
5: Hi there. How are you?
1: Good. And your question?
5: My question is, is Michael the archangel a good angel or a bad angel? I get kind of confused. I've heard things where people try to make it a good angel, but yet I've wondered if it's actually a bad angel.
1: No, I think Michael is a good angel. And the reason we believe this, Sherry, is if, well, let me give you a, a few different verses, and then we even have a book we'll offer you. Michael is the one fighting the devil in Revelation 12. It says the dragon, the devil, and his angels fights with Michael and his angels. Michael is leading the good angels in that battle. Michael is the one who descends from heaven with the voice of the Lord. It says the Lord will descend with the voice of the archangel and call the dead to life. Michael is the one who comes and argues with the devil to rescue Moses from the grave. When Moses is resurrected, and that's Jude verse 9, only one chapter in Jude, Jude verse 9. Michael is a great prince that stands for the children of thy people, you find in Daniel chapter 12. michaels he's on the good side. We have a book, Sherry. It's called Who is Michael the Archangel? I think you'll love the study. It's really encouraging. We'll send you a free copy.
2: Yes, the number is 800-835-6747. And you can ask for the book called Who is Michael the Archangel? You can also read that if you just go to the Amazing Facts website. You can read it right now or call and we'll be happy to send that to you. We've got Trudy listening from New York. Uh, Trudy, welcome to the program.
5: Hi, Pastor Doug and Pastor Ross. Hi. Hi. My question is that my dad asked me this, and I didn't really know how to answer him. Um, He wanted to
4: know, if it. um, how do we know that it was the Apostle John who wrote Revelation and not some other follower of Jesus named John?
1: Well, John was a common name. Uh, It does say John in uh, verse 4. It says, John to the seven churches. There's several ways we know. Almost no Bible scholar contests this. First of all, you know, the early church fathers all attributed the book of Revelation to John. He says that he was on the Isle of Patmos when he wrote this. We know that John the Apostle was imprisoned on the Isle of Patmos. History uh, bears witness to that. The style of writing is very much like John that you find in the Gospel of John, and the three letters of John. Maybe Pastor Ross has more to add to that. He likes Revelation. Yes, I think just in chapter 1, when
2: you read the introductory uh, comments that's made, and of course he identifies himself as having the spirit of prophecy in verse 1, we know that John was a prophet, and this was a special revelation given by God. We believe that the timing for the book of Revelation, somewhere around 90 AD, John being the youngest of the 12, at this time he was an old man, Uh, The other apostles had already uh, given their life for their faith. But John, uh, the last survivor of the uh, apostles, quite possibly the pastor of the church of Ephesus prior to this, and he was taken from there to Patmos.
1: Yeah, and so you've got verse 4 where it says John to the seven churches, and in verse 9 he says, I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and the kingdom and patience of Jesus. And he's also writing from a position of leadership in the church, with authority of an apostle. Uh, Only certain people who knew Jesus personally had that relationship. All the early church fathers that knew John attributed Revelation to him. I've not read too many that argue that it was somebody else. Does that help, Trudy?
4: Yes, thank you very much.
1: (laughs) Uh, All right, thanks so much. And you'd enjoy the, if you haven't read it, the Advanced Amazing Facts Study Guide, where it goes into some of the prophecies of Revelation. And you can find those online at simply We have time for one more call, Pastor yes, Ross. Yes, we've
2: got, uh, let's see, Brent is listening from South Korea. Brent, welcome to the program.
4: Hello. Uh, can you hear me okay?
1: Loud and clear.
4: Yes. Uh, good to be on the air. I, this is the first time I've ever done this.
1: Well, thanks for calling. we got about two minutes, so we'll do our best with what we have.
4: Okay. Um, my question is about, um, well, the Bible doesn't contradict itself, Um I I wondered if you could help me with um, the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, which of course is just a parable. Um, and uh, you know, Ecclesiastes nine five, believe says, I believe that the dead know not anything. So uh, of course, on the one hand, we know from Ecclesiastes nine uh, five and a bunch of other verses that you know that is true. And how how do we know that the parable, of the rich man and Lazarus is not endorsing the idea that man has an immortal soul.
1: All right. Very good. Appreciate that. And, and I'll tell you in just a moment, uh, Brent, we do also have a free book for anyone that wants it just came out and it's on the rich man and Lazarus. If you ask for Doug Batchelor's book on the rich man and Lazarus, we'll send it to you free. It's a sermon book I did, but it's a, I think a pretty complete study. A couple of ways we know that it's a parable for one thing. It would be absurd to think that people in heaven and hell are going to be able to talk to each other. Uh, furthermore, the rich man says, if you could send Lazarus with a drop of water, by the way, this is in Luke chapter 16. is where you find the parable. In this passage, it's telling us that a drop of water is not going to cool a person's tongue if they're burning in, in hellfire. Uh, some people think, well, it must be a true story because Jesus uses the name Lazarus. Well, the reason Jesus uses the name Lazarus is the end of the parable. He says, oh, but if someone went from my father's house resurrected, then they would believe. And he said, look, if Lazarus even went back to your father's house, if they don't believe Moses and the prophets, they won't believe Lazarus either. Jesus raised someone from the dead by the name of Lazarus. Mm-hmm. Luke
2: 16:19. That's where we got the 19 from,
1: yeah. I think is most certainly a parable. Please do send for our book, a new book on the rich man and Lazarus. Brent, 800-835-6747 to order that. And you can also probably get to it, amazingfacts.org. And listening friends, it wouldn't be fair to someone if we took another call. If we did not get your call tonight, we hope you'll give us another chance next week. We want to remind you that so much of what we share and even archives of these programs, you can find at amazingfacts.org. Click there, pray that you'll pass the link on to your friends. God bless, we'll study together again next week.
0: Thank you for listening to today's broadcast. We hope you understand your Bible even better than before. Bible Answers Live is produced by Amazing Facts, a faith-based ministry located in Sacramento, California.
6: Journey
8: back through time to the center of the universe. Discover how a perfect angel transformed into Satan, the arch-villain. The birth of evil, a rebellion in heaven, a mutiny that moved to earth. Behold the creation of a beautiful new planet and the first humans. Witness the temptation in evil discover God's amazing plan to save His children. This is a story that involves every life on Earth. Every life. The Cosmic Conflict. If God is good, if God is all-powerful, if God is love, then what went wrong?
6: Find out what the critics are raving about top scholars and theologians from around the country come together to reveal the hidden history of the Book of Revelation. With powerful reenactments and incredible visual effects, this 95-minute masterpiece brings to life the Book of Revelation like never before. Revelation is no longer a mystery. Get your copy today. Visit iTunes or afbookstore.com.
8: Written by the hand of God and spoken with his voice, some words will never fade.
6: Get Pastor Doug Batchelor's 12 part sermon series on the Ten Commandments by calling 800 538 7275 or visit afbookstore.com.
1: For over 50 years, Amazing Facts has shared the wonderful news of salvation and provided millions of Bible resources to people all over the world. We've built churches in India, proclaimed God's Word in China, and have sent free Bible studies around the globe. Today's program and free resources were made possible by our ministry partners, caring individuals like you. If you've been blessed by Amazing Facts, would you please consider partnering with us to reach others with the Bible truth Your financial support today will help keep programs like this on the air so the blessings you've received can be shared with others. To find out more about becoming a ministry partner, please visit our website.
0: To take advantage of the offers you've heard on this broadcast, call us at 800-835-6747 or visit our website at amazingfacts.org.